I was also looking at the, the landscape of the industry and how, as a black man in an industry that was predominantly white, how there was so little representation in the business. And I, I wanted to try to make a change. I wanted to do my part in trying to help other people of color, um, you know, achieve or find opportunities. Welcome to the UX of EdTech podcast, an exploration of user experience in the EdTech space. I'm your host, Alicia Kwan, and I look forward to learning with you today. I feel so honored to have Maurice Woods on the podcast today. The work he's doing is extremely important, and my hope is that many more people will get acquainted and inspired by what he's doing. Uh, we're going to unpack his story today, but I can start by briefly stating that Maurice is a principal designer at Microsoft and the founder and executive director at Interact Project. The Interact Project serves primarily middle and high school youth who identify as Black, Latinx, and or of low-income backgrounds. A professionally supported organization, IP offers a pathway of free design classes and initiatives in order to introduce youth to the field of design and help channel their creativity into viable career paths. He's worked as a designer at the world's largest independent design consultancy, Pentagram Design, and he has also designed extensive identity, retail, exhibit, and interactive programs for clients such as Nike, Greyhound, Symantec, Priceline, and Google. When asked about the impact he hopes to make, he once said, I don't actually want to be remembered for the work I did for a company, organization, or institution, I would like to be remembered for how I used my influence or skills to help nurture young people into responsible, educated adults. I get more out of that than any project I've ever done or will ever do, end quote. So it's an honor and welcome to the show, Maurice. Thank you, Felicia. It's, it's good to be here. and Thank you for that, that intro. That was great. <laughs> I, haven't, uh, <laughs> I haven't heard that in a long time. Like, uh, yeah, I remember saying some of those things, um, and it's interesting how that stuff lives, uh, you know, closely to, to you know, the values that I still uphold to this day. Yeah, yeah, I imagine it's a good kind of a reminder, kind of reflective to hear that again. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> cool. Well, your story is so fascinating to me, and I often like to take it backwards to even childhood when I'm getting to know someone, just because I think it can shine a lot of light onto the work that you do as an adult. So can I just the brief version, what was young Mo like as a child? Ooh, Ooh. well, Alicia, I will say uh, I was, uh, you know, I was a very hyperactive kid. Uh, You know, it's funny. Gosh, you know, it brings back memories. I remember as a kid, you know, I was a bad little kid. Like uh, in elementary school, uh, you know, I essentially got kicked out of elementary school because, you know, I was just getting into so much trouble. Um, you know, I was a lot, a very hyperactive kid. I, I played a lot and, you know, was always in the stuff and could never really be settled. And um, 
eventually my elementary school had enough of me and I had to leave and, and it ended up going to another school. Into um, middle school and high school, yeah. how did you kind of grow and develop? What would you say were like your biggest fears versus proudest moments as a kid? Yeah, I would say like uh, some of my proudest moments, uh, I think, you know, as a middle schooler and then, you know, eventually high schooler were mainly centered around sports. Um, you know, it's, you know, it, this really brings back memories of childhood for me because I went through a lot of things when I was young. Mm-hmm. Um, as a young kid, you know, I uh, had to go to a special school because I had a learning disability. And uh, I remember um, spending really all of my middle school years at this school in the Bay Area. And, you know, uh, I went through a series of training and, um, you know, uh, speech uh, therapy classes and psychology. And uh, I remember, you know, as a young kid uh, being told by a psychologist that I would never be able to do anything besides maybe a trade, like work on a car or anything like that. It was total kind of racist thing to say uh, to a young kid, you know, at at my age. But, you know, um, it was part of my uh, upbringing. And I think that it really kind of led me to, uh, you know, aspire to be who I am. And, you know, as I got older um, and got into high school, I actually left that school, uh, which was not recommended by the middle school that I was at. It was really, you know, a middle school and high school. They wanted me to stay. They didn't think I was ready to actually go to high school, um, a public high school. And, um, you know, my parents didn't agree and they put me into high school. And from there I, uh, flourished. Um, I, uh, got involved in, in the sports a lot more. I joined the basketball team. And, and from there, I was able to get a basketball scholarship to play college ball at the University of Washington in Seattle. Wow. Okay. You you mentioned a lot of things. Thank you for sharing that. And I, um, I'm, I'm interested to see how that will kind of influence just how we continue our conversation and how we um, kind of connect the dots, you know, from your story and all that you kind of do later on um, into adulthood. Thank you for sharing that. I'm curious, you mentioned sports. Mm-hmm. What kind of posters did you have in your room as a kid? Did you have Whoa. any did you have any athletes <laughs> that you looked up to? I cereal I look, boxes that you saved? <laughs> yeah, I, I looked up to Magic Johnson and Jordan. Those were the two that um, resonated a lot with me. I you know, um, I had the Jordan poster. I don't know if, if, if you know, your viewers will, will um, you know, remember any of this or relate to this. I might. Um, I love Jordan posters. So <laughs> you remember the Jordan poster where he was gripping uh, Spike Lee's head and lifting him off the ground. I don't know yes. if you remember when it's the, the shoes, you know, there in that time. And I love that poster. I have that poster. I might still have that poster actually somewhere. And then uh, I used to uh, collect a lot of uh, Sports Illustrated covers and stuff with Magic Johnson. He was also a big hero of mine and um, somebody who I actually ended up playing with 
are playing against in my my professional basketball career later on in my life. So wow. those were my two sort of big, uh, uh, you know, uh, inspirational players that, you know, I had posters and, and um, really admired as a young kid, really trying to get into uh, sports and basketball specifically. Yeah, and I bet you had a an interesting eye for that, you know, later as you, you know, grew into design, but even before you knew that you would pursue that formally, you know, probably had a certain eye for posters back then. Um, yeah. I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's you know, it, it's just, it's crazy to think about like how, you know, like you said earlier, how the dots connect later. You know, I, I, I never really thought about posters or, um, you know, uh, any, any creative print or, any any creative I saw on TV at all. It was just, you know, I just never thought about it. You know, sometimes you look back on your life and you see the things that you've done and how they are directly related to some of the experiences that you had as a young person. And, um, you know, I never really, when I was a kid, never really appreciated or really understood, uh, you know, the quality or the amount of time that a designer took to create posters. I was just collecting them because I liked them visually. And then I also uh, admired the players. Um, but, you know, now that I look back on it now, a lot of the, the creative or the uh, covers and the posters that I had uh, had some element of like typography and, and uh, art associated with those covers. And, um, I gravitated towards that stuff now that I think about it, which is kind of interesting. It wasn't just like these basic covers with just photographs on them. It was all the other stuff around it as well. So uh, I think I was definitely influenced by that. Um, it did have an impact on me. I was, a you know, a, I think a pretty creative kid when I was young, but I just didn't think anything of it. Yeah, I love that. I love the the intersection of those two things. Can you briefly just describe your path from graduating high school up until your work, even now as a product designer at Microsoft? I know that's there's a lot there, but just kind of the brief version. And, and you mentioned professional basketball as well. When when I left uh, high school and I went to play college basketball at the University of Washington, um, I was on on set to being a professional NBA basketball player. That's what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't know anything about design. And really it was my uh, um, experience with basketball that led me to design actually. Because after two years of playing um, basketball on the college level, I really started to realize that, you know, I only have two more playing years left and I wasn't on track to make it to the NBA. And then I had to make a choice. So my choice was, I, I knew that I wasn't going to, I didn't want to graduate and, you know, go back to Richmond without a degree. I felt like it was really important that, you know, I not only, um, uh, you know, do it for those in my community who didn't get the opportunity, but I felt like I owed it to myself to do it. So uh, I looked for a, um, a, a career that I could do. And my mother and I sat down, we went through a catalog and looked at all the different careers 
and majors that I could do. And she pointed out, my mother pointed out graphic design. She's like, you know, Mo, you used to like to draw when you were young, you were creative and, you know, you should just try it. You know, you might like it. It might be something that you, you'll find you want to do. And that's how I got into design. I took wow. a class and literally after the first day of class, I was like, oh yeah, this is for me. I knew it was, was for me right away. And, you know, um, I, I, uh, you know, at that time did not realize that, you know, at the University of Washington, it's not like a design school where you apply and then you get into a design school. It's a uh, general uh, university where you go to this school, you take prerequisites for two years, and then after two years, you select a major. And I selected design as that major, so I had to compete against like three, 400 other students in this class that I knew nothing about. And I ended up making it in um, where there were only like 20 slots available. So, you know, from there, I, I went on, got my degree in design. And um, after I was done with my BFA in graphic design, I went and played professional basketball in Europe. I was in Spain for about two years in the Canary Islands in an in a, um, island called Fuerteventura. I was also in a second year in another island in the Canary Islands called uh, Tenerife. And then after that, I left there and went to play basketball in Greece in a city called Papago. And then after that, I left and uh, went and played basketball in France for a year or half a year because I got injured. And then after that, I spent the rest of my uh, basketball career in Japan where, you know, I, after that, after my couple of years in Japan, I ended up retiring and, and finishing um, my career in design and then coming back to the United States where I got my master's degree in design. And, you know, after that started Interact Project and then started working. Wow. Do you think that your time as an athlete and then all that traveling that you did as well, how, how did that influence your your work as a designer now, can you track any intersections there? I mean, myself as a basketball player as well, um, not on the professional level, but I grew up playing basketball and then coached basketball um, for the school that I was working at previously. Just, I'm curious if you see any intersections there, athletics and, and design. Yeah, there, basketball is to me, well, I won't even say basketball. I'll, I'll even take it back and maybe even a little bit further and just say sports in general, because I think that a lot of the principles that you learn with basketball, you kind of learn in, in most sports, which is, you know, teamwork first and foremost. And for me, playing basketball, uh, teamwork and team togetherness was just a part of how I understood how to accomplish a goal. And so that is pretty similar to working on a team of other designers, right? You guys are all um, part of a quote unquote team, you know, being the design firm or the design department, and you're all working on a goal, which is to elevate or um, uh, improve or uh, whatever the specific goal is of the product to move that forward in a positive way. And so basketball really was sort of the training for uh, how I really sort of learned how to work with people and be 
a good team player. So I learned a lot through that. And then also individually, um, discipline, you know, uh, you know, is a, a huge part of sports that I learned. And I think like people ask me all the time, like, man, how are you able to do interact project and, you know, and then, you know, work full time and then you got family and all of this stuff. And I'm like, you know, I learned discipline um, at a very young age, but playing basketball. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then when I went to college, it's like I was in school and I was playing basketball at the same time. And, you know, I just learned how to do all these multiple things at the same time. And it just became part of who I am. And so um, that level of uh, commitment and discipline was really ingrained in me through, through my, my time in sports. I love that. That's, that's awesome. With um, the Interact Project, let's jump into that. Can you explain your reasons for why you wanted to start it and just kind of the story of, of how it came to be? Yeah, I started Interact Project really, it really, to be honest, is kind of a culmination of my own personal experience, life experience. Mm -hmm. I started off as a kid in inner city and playing basketball was my means for getting out the hood. And, um, you know, when I went to the University of Washington, like I said before, I was on track. I wanted to be an NBA player. That's all I really knew. You know, I used to like to draw when I was a young kid and I was into music actually quite a bit. I was DJing and doing things like that. Um, but, you know, um, it wasn't until, um, you know, um, I actually got to this school, realized that, you know, I'm not going to make the MBA and I have to choose something that I discovered design through that way. And I felt like with Interact Project, it was really important for me to uh, provide opportunities for kids like myself who may not be like 6'10 and be able to, you know, be skilled at playing basketball and get a scholarship to go, you know, experience um, all these other different uh, majors or professions. And I wanted to be able to uh, provide that. And that's how Interact Project, that's the concept that Interact Project kind of started beyond like, uh, behind like being able to provide those opportunities, but I was also looking at the the landscape of the industry and how you know as a black man in an industry that was predominantly white, um, how uh, there was so little representation in the business, and I I wanted to try to make a change. I wanted to do mm-hmm. my part in trying to help other people of color. Um, you know, achieve or find opportunities that I was able to get myself. And so that's kind of how Interact Project started. And, you know, I wrote the proposal when I was at the University of Washington um, when I was in graduate school because I went to undergraduate and then I went back to graduate school there and got my master's. And while I was there, it, it was a classroom. Uh, it was a class, um, Annabelle Gould, I remember that she's my professor there. And she set an assignment for the class around, you know, using design to uh, change the world. And I just kind of ran with it. I wrote a proposal. Uh, I wanted to give back to the community. I felt like I had this passion around, you know, ensuring that other, other people of color like myself, specifically kids, had that opportunity to get exposed to design at a young age. And so 
I basically wrote this proposal and drove it to all the community centers I could find in Seattle. And I finally got one community center to actually do it. And I started teaching at Del Ridge Community College, I mean, Del Ridge Community Center in West Seattle. I had three kids at the beginning of June 2004. By the end of June 2004, I was working with 30 kids. Wow. And then it just started taking off after that. Wow. What do the kids learn? What do you kind of, um, what pathways do you kind of walk them through? What's your design approach, your philosophy with, with the students? Yeah. So, um, my, you know, my philosophy of how I work and impact students has evolved over the years. When, when I first started Interact Project, it was simply just like I just wanted to expose kids to careers in design. Um, and, you know, we still do that to this day. But over the years, um, it's evolved because what I've learned is, is that um, exposure is not enough. Education is not enough. Um, th there is a multitude and layers of impact that you have to work through or uh, layers of barriers that people of color also um, uh, are, are bound by. And you have to break down those walls um, sometimes to get to someone so that they can actually see, um, see the opportunities that exist and then take advantage of them. And so, yeah, we started off like, you know, early on, I just wanted to just teach kids design and I was just happy doing that. But then as we started to learn more, you know, we were obviously like training kids uh, from, you know, beginning level to more advanced level classes. Um, we were also developing programs where kids were getting paid. Um, we were designing um, uh, and thinking about how uh, uh, kids can use uh, the, the context around them or their surrounding or their neighborhoods or the things that they care about to actually inspire them to design something that means something to them. So we really want to empower them and help them to sort of look uh, uh, inside within and sort of search for their own uh, level of pride and sort of bring that out. Um, and then we also think about like, you know, very basic needs like you know we have some kids that don't have laptops we have some kids that don't have wi-fi um, some kids don't even have healthy lunches and we're providing that so mm. our, our program goes beyond and this is i think sometimes a misconception of my program and other programs like mine is that people think it's just education and it's not you know it's like there's so many other things that we're trying to do to reach kids in the community and, and get them to um, see, quote unquote. Um, and that is a, a big uh, a portion of how um, we think about, you know, impacting uh, people of color, specifically uh, in careers in, in design. Wow. Well, I found out about Interact Project through a blog article. And as I was reading about it, then it, you know, pushed me to your website and as I was looking through it, I just thought it was just amazing what you're doing and um, the the amount of yeah support and opportunities that you're providing and just really the the vision behind it, just the vision that you have. I just think it's beautiful. And so I I want to go a little bit deeper into just some of the particulars of what you do there. 
you, um, I know you use Figma. So again, I, I found your project through a blog on Figma's website and the title of it was how interact project empowers the next generation of black and brown designers. And I'll put the link in the notes. Um, but how do you prepare your students to use Figma? Why'd you choose Figma? What are the benefits of it? How does it fit into your program? Yeah. So one of the things that's important to note that, um, are just as the, the, the design industry has changed, so has the tools for, um, uh, you know, uh, designing has changed. Right. And, you know, I almost feel I'm really dating myself here a little bit, but like, you know, when I started in undergraduate as a designer, I mean, it's like, I remember being working on the, the like the Macintosh, I think the 2C, uh, you know, it was like, you know, that the screen was just black and white, you know, it's like that. It was like a long time ago. And now we have like, you know, all this technology that, not only allows you to, uh, you know, design products, services, or just, you know, whatever. Um, there are also tools that help sort of um, facilitate uh, your, your, your workspace, or your, not your workspace, but your work environment in terms of like um, efficiency at, your, at what you do. And, you know, the evolution of the you know design industry and the evolution of the products that we use in the design industry uh, is a reason why you know uh, we we use Figma. Uh, we just found also that you know uh, the use of Figma also is really beneficial to our kids because you know they're able to utilize that for free. You know they can use it across PC or Mac. Um, they can uh, access it on the internet and it just, it's just easier for them to be able to do things on their own and, and learn how to use professional software. Um, we, you know, one caveat to note is, is that like with our students though, like when we start them off, they don't start on the computer. They don't start in Figma. It usually there's a, a run up of time where we're, spending, uh, uh, you know, or spending a great amount of time to really just kind of get them to think and concept um, and, and think about like, what is the problem you're trying to solve? Who are you solving for? Uh, what is the process that you have to go to to get the right information so that you know how to design the right thing? And we do a, a lot of exercises around that. We do a lot of exercises around uh, understanding some of the concepts of design as well as um, understanding like uh, what typography is and, and color theory and things of that nature. After they've done all of that and they've had some experience in that and they know how to design and, and create things on their own, then we get them into software like Figma where they're actually, you know, um, taking the things that they've learned and actually using Figma as a tool to manifest those ideas and those solutions. So, Figma is, in a lot of ways, uh, something that we've, um, you know, uh, is really sort of a sign of where the design industry is, but it's also a really good tool for our students, especially students that uh, we work with who may not have, like, you know, uh, the financial means to be able to buy 
um, certain software if, if you know, um, if, if we're not able to give them some, some copies or, or whatever. So it's, it just becomes a really good option for, for them. Right. What did you mean by when you said it's a sign of where the design industry is? Well, currently right now, um, you know, the, the design industry and the way that we design is, is a lot different. Um, you know, back in my day, we were, I mean, we were designing. When I'm talking designing, I'm talking more 2D now, just to be clear on that. Um, you know, now we're designing uh, uh, for mobile phones, things that people tap and, and scroll and move from left to right to designing, you know, interfaces on TVs to microwaves and all these different types of things. And um, then you, on top of that, you have, you know, VR, AR, and, you know, AI and machine learning. There's just so many different ways that designers are designing now because of the, the you know, the technology that's out there. Um, and the tools for which we use to design those different types of experiences has led to, uh, you know, the software that we use being more advanced and uh, being more in tune with the way that we design those types of experiences. So that, that's what I mean by, by, you know, how has, you know, the, the software in the design industry has changed. Thank you. That's, that's helpful. Those are good insights. So, yeah, I definitely think that I agree with you. And I love how your, your approach to Figma is, well, let's think about how does design work in general first, you know, before you put, you know, one of several tools in their hands to kind of move forward with that. Um, I love that. What, what do your students do at the end of your program? Yeah. So when you say end of it, are you mean the end of like, the you know entire program or just like in at the end of the school year or, or a class um maybe maybe both yeah end of the class or um what are they doing uh, maybe in the after the last class that they're in if they're you know high school seniors or something along those lines gotcha so um i'll, I'll start with the the first part which is after the end of the class, so or the end of the session, depending on if it's like a one-day workshop or a series of classes. Um, generally, a couple of things happen. Um, we are we are in the business of sort of understanding like how do we get daily wins, and then how we get weekly wins, and then how do we get like wins at the end of our program that lasts for you know the course of the time that you know, we've worked with our students and what that looks like is um, success for us could be um, a student first and foremost, like who's never experienced what design is and now they know what design is. That's a success for us. Um, it could also be, you know, um, good for us to like have students start using Figma. So like they've never experienced Figma before and now they have They've learned how to use this professional software. And we've had students that are even to this day now using Figma to do other stuff because they started off, um, you know, they started off with this software and they learned how to use it. And because it's the industry standard, now they have, you know, um, uh, experience in something that they can use um, once they 
decide they want to go into the industry as well. Um, overall, um, some of the things that that we students see students come away with is, you know, um, a broader sense of their place within the industry. Um, there was a, a quote that um, one of our students, uh, you know, wrote in her senior year. Actually, this was just this past senior year. And uh, she had said that how Interact Project had helped her, um, you know, allow her to be able to see the opportunities and then also take advantage of those opportunities and then learn the skills and then be able to use those opportunities and those skills to be able to foresee herself in a position where she could be a designer and, you know, um, or a project manager or a software uh, engineer or whatever the case may be. Like she was able, we were able to unlock all of these opportunities and this, this um, vision for her, for her life. And I think that's really kind of like what we really want to try to do, especially with our middle school and high school students, because we don't want to force them to be a designer. We just want them to, um, you know, obviously we would love them to be designers, but we don't, we want them to really sort of understand that um, there are opportunities out there that exist for them if they want to, to pursue those careers and um, give them as much um, exposure and training as we possibly can. And if they decide that they want to do, to go into a career in design, to be able to then further support them um, with some of our early career uh, programs that we do. Wow. It seems like, you know, a person that's that's going through your program, they're going to just touch on so many different things and um, just really um, develops them as a person, like you said, not just as a designer, but, you know, holistically. Um, I'm wondering, do you have any advice for young underrepresented aspiring designers? You know, let's say they're listening to this episode, anything that you want to share with them? Yeah, I think one of the things I would want to share with them is to try to find a mentor. Um, you know, this, you know, I can plug in our We have something called interview prep, uh, if you want to go online now, um, you can, uh, you know, uh, go into our LinkedIn page on Interact Project and find that link to be an, um, to interview with, with and get mentored by a variety of different peoples from different backgrounds and different companies. But specifically for uh, black and brown designers, I recommend they try to get a mentor of color, um, you know, because... I think that we all sort of go through very similar things, which is we are generally, um, you know, it's generally only us or one other person in our design class. And then usually the rest of the class is like, you know, white or, or non-black. And I think like uh, for, for, for uh, you know, for, Students that are starting off is very important to have that person um, who you can uh, collaborate with. You can ask questions, someone you can relate to, uh, someone who you can ask specific questions around, or it's just somebody who really kind of um, someone understands, uh, you know, where you're coming from and who you are as a person and some of the same ideologies that you may you may uphold. So I think those 
are, are really important to have um, specifically for, for young designers that are coming up. That's really good advice. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. How can people connect with you and support the Interact Project and follow what you guys are doing there? So I'm, I may be... I may be getting myself into a little bit of trouble here, but (laughs) so, yeah, but I, I, you know, I believe in this, so I'll just say it like if, if you're a designer of color and you, you're, you know, having some, some problems or you want to just sync up with a mentor and you want someone to kind of maybe help, help you find opportunities or something like that, hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm there. Um, I try to answer as much as I possibly can. Um, sometimes I can't answer right away, but I am available and I make myself available to specifically to, to designers of color, black and Latinx, just because I know that um, it's, it's vital that, that you have someone there who you can talk to and can also help connect you just the way that I got connected um, by my mentor, Tony Gable when I was a young designer. So um, I'm available through LinkedIn. Just hit me up on there. So uh, in terms of Interact Project, um, if you go to our Interact Project page and you would like to get involved, like be a volunteer or uh, you would like to give, like obviously like we're always looking for donations, you can go on our website and go under interactproject.org slash get involved. And there it'll take you to a page that has basic information about how you get involved uh, with, with our organization. And um, I believe like you send an email off, there's there's a, a link to send an email off to us. We get it. And then we're able to sort of direct you to the right person. And then, um, you know, uh, you'll probably have to answer a questionnaire. And then that will help us understand uh, a little bit more about you and what are the things that you care about and how, um, you can get involved in Interact Project. What's the, the best way to, to do that? Perfect. Thank you. One more one more quick question. What would you say to young middle school Mo? If you could kind of go back in time and talk to yourself, is there anything you would share? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's funny. I, I just got asked this question. And, um, you know, Alicia, I... You know, if I was to, to, to go back, I would tell myself to pay attention more to the things that I'm truly passionate about. Um, you know, I started off, I, I played basketball and I was into music, but now that I look back on it now, my real passion really was art and drawing. I, I really liked that. It was really the only thing that I could sit down for hours and do without jumping up and being distracted. You know, I was a very hyperactive kid. And um, it was one of the one things that that really sort of settled me. Like I could just sit down and just, you know, draw or, you know, take things apart, put them back together again. I was just very into those types of things. And um, I think that, you know, because I didn't see how that translated to a career, I never took it seriously until I got into design school. And that's when everything started to come back full circle. And so uh, if I was to go back and tell my young self, 
something, it would be just, you know, trust the things that you really care about and, you know, the things that you're passionate about. Um, listen to your, your um, intuition around that and trust that, you know, um, that, that passion will lead you to something that you really enjoy, enjoy doing. Hmm. Well, thank you for sharing all of these, these insights. And I just feel super honored to just get to talk to you and, and hear your experience and your wisdom and your advice. And I'm really excited to share this out to others. And I'm hoping that um, the right people hear it and um, are inspired by your story and connect with you and, and move forward in, in their passions and in the, the gifts that they've been given. So thank you for your time. Thanks for sharing with us and for our listeners. Check out the show notes for ways to connect with Maurice and the Interact Project. There's also a link to send in a voice message to me about your thoughts on this podcast. If you have any perspectives or stories that you want to share, please feel free to reach out that way or find me on Twitter, Instagram at UX underscore EdTech or on LinkedIn as Alicia Kwan. This is the UX of EdTech podcast, an exploration of user experience in the education technology space. I look forward to learning with you next time.